It's the next level. Get Maggie. Tell her he's awake. Electra. How do you feel? Don't try to stand up. Where? Where? San Agnes. The orphanage. How long? Lay down. How long? Several weeks. Where is she? Who? Electra. I, I don't uh, know who that is. Uh, Stay in the bed. My right ear. Thank you. I can't. Just stop this right now. I can't see. I can't see. I can't see. I can't see. everyone welcome back to the show i'm mark and i'm steve this week uh we're gonna start our daredevil season three review we're gonna do episodes one and two and we're just gonna ride this out for the whole season now mind you i started watching this a long time ago when it first was released i think i got through the first six but i can't remember anything i only remember certain things here and there but yeah when we decided it's like all right well enough time has passed and there's all this rumor and talk about daredevil coming into the mcu and charlie cox being eyed again and being put into it so hopefully things will come true you know they have up until uh, i believe 2021 to bring him in because the show ended or it last broadcasted it in 2018 was it 2018? Because see, I know, I remember the article when we talked about it a couple years ago or whenever it was, we talked about it on, on this podcast that they have, like, it's a two year thing from the, the moment, the last time the character aired. Yes. You know, so probably, like you said, probably if it was 2018 and that means they can't start doing anything with it until 2020, they, until, you know, probably late middle of this year, they wouldn't even be able to start anything. And production wise, I mean, I assume they can write things. Because when you're writing it, you're not necessarily who the actor is going to be. So, you know, they, but they can't put anything into production until they get past that two year mark. So yeah, you're probably 2021, I think would be the earliest we would see him. And if it's transferring him into like the MCU movie universe, that's even further down the road, right? Because those movies are, are already planned and not I, mean, I guess they could really. insert him. I guess they could insert him into something if They've, they wanted to. There was rumors of inserting him into Spider-Man 3. Right. And right. Yeah, I could see. I, like I said, I could see them inserting something in there, I guess. But Yeah, there was the rumor idea that when Peter Parker has to go to jail for the <laughs> murder of Mysterio. Yeah. And Matt Murdock comes to his aid. And that was like, the, uh, that would be the first introduction of Matt Murdock. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I could see that. We'll, we'll have to see. How it, yeah. how, you know, how it all plays out. So, the synopsis for uh, episode one, Resurrection, would be uh, shattered physically and spiritually, Matt rethinks his purpose and place in Hell's Kitchen. Fisk puts a plan in motion behind bars. 
dun dun dun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and that's one of the things that I had to I had to go back and think about when we started to even talking about doing Daredevil season three because I was like, okay, wait a minute, where were we at? And I was like, okay, so I think like if I remember correctly, we podcasted over Defenders season one, and that's basically the last episode of Defenders season one had the scene of him waking up in the we didn't know it at the time yeah. but but now we know that he was waking up in the orphanage that he grew up in as a kid and Correct. and so that's how defenders uh defenders series i guess ended was with that so that kicks off daredevil season three which is which is kind of cool that they did that yeah, they laid it in perfect groundwork for it so that it continues on. And there was a, actually a lot of promotion for the season three before it even came out. A lot of trailers, a lot of things, mm-hmm. hints. Uh, they teased it a lot of stuff and they kind of made something apparent of who the villain was going to be. And now we are finally getting to it on this podcast. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's what's unfortunate about these Netflix shows is the fact that they did end, you know, they officially ended all of these shows. And right. Was it Jessica Jones was the only one that was still being written or was still in production when they announced? Yeah. It was in production. Yeah, so so they were able to actually do a real closeout with her, whereas all the all the rest of them just about have some sort of open ended ending. So I'm assuming there's going to be some ending at this one that leaves it kind of open ended, or or you know. Yeah, I never got to that in the first reading. Right, right. <laughs> so we'll find out when we get to episode thirteen. Yeah, the first viewing of it, I never really got to that point. So right. that, yeah, we'll get to that, and that will be my first actual take of it. Honestly, very cool. So, we should get on to our top fives. Absolutely. I'm Daredevil. You want to start off first? Sure, I'll start, because I, I basically, my, my first one, my number five, is that very beginning, that fact that we find out that Matt survived that explosion, the building, and we see how he washed out of that sewer grate, and apparently Elektra didn't survive, which was a little perplexing to me, because they were together mm-hmm. in, in that hug, so I, I kind of wonder if maybe the show hadn't been canceled the way it did, maybe if season four might have had Electra coming back, might have had some sort of... Because I thought that when the priest says they had a funeral for her, I thought he was meaning they had a, the original funeral. Because remember, she died before, yeah. and the hand brought her back. So mm-hmm. I thought he meant that funeral. I don't didn't think he meant a funeral. funeral. But, yeah, but maybe he did, but we didn't see that. So, you know, there's a possibility that Electra is still out there. It's It just seemed to me like that would have been one of the things that, that would have been kind of cool if this show had persisted. That they yeah. they uh, that she they could have showed that she survived as well. Oh, definitely, and it would have been interesting to see how they would bring her back again. Yeah, yeah, not, for sure. not the uh, Jennifer Garner, right? Like <laughs> we got in the movie theater, right? <laughs> but I'm not saying it was all that bad. Yeah, it was them trying and pushing. They only got the one Daredevil movie out of that, and then they, yeah. they, we got Elektra out of that. So at least they filled it out that way with that series. But, you know, for the most part, this actually stayed true to the actual idea of the comics and what they were doing within the show. And on top of that, honestly, it was very much rough and raw between a lot of these Netflix shows. If mm-hmm. we reflect on that real quick, they were pretty much brutal and dirty yeah whereas with the the movies they're kind of you know made to be a a a sleek shine back then 
And that was in the, the beginning of the days of when they were starting Marvel. Yeah. The actual MCU, av- as it were. <laughs> so, my number five, before we keep going off topic, <laughs> <laughs> would be uh, Special Agent Nadim. I really like his character. His character is someone that I think would be really important this season. And I have a funny feeling something is going to happen with him and Matt. So, I, I look forward to see what we get out of him. And the character itself is intriguing because he seems to be part of uh, the government and he's fallen under ways and has issues like anybody else has a family. And that's where the the, the stories usually get structured by where yeah. somebody's being helped or in need. Yeah, I, I really love that this is one of one of your numbers because if it wasn't, it would have been one of one of mine because I really like this character. I like the introduction we get to this character that, you know, normally when we see FBI agents in these kind of shows, they're either like super slick and, and they got everything <laughs> together or it's like uh, they're a bad guy or something like that. So to see this character who, who sort of, he has flaws and they're not flaws of his own making. Like it's not because he has a drinking problem. It's not because he has a gambling problem. It's because he was helping out his uh, brother-in-law and sister or sister and brother-in-law, which whichever his sister-in-law who had cancer. Right. Right. So deemed cancer free at the party. Right. And so we find out later that his financial troubles are because he's been helping them out with those medical bills. Or, I mean, as far as we know now, I mean, obviously there's something could come out later in the series where we find out that he's not a good guy. Like, I mean, for instance, with the, the Jessica Jones, the Frank Whaley character, Yes. And Jessica Jones that we thought, oh, he was a good guy. And then suddenly towards the end of that uh, season, we find out that he's no, he's a dirty cop. <laughs> but not everybody's always dirty. So come on, <laughs> we're just going to give him the credit of like, yeah, we like him. And it's like, oh, that rap bastard. <laughs> yeah. So I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what they do with special agent uh, Nadine going going forward. I think it's going to be uh, kind of cool to see, especially at the end of episode two, when we get to where he's at there. Yeah. So, uh, my number four is just Sister Maggie. I, I, I love this character. I love the, the introduction we have to her. I love how the old priest is kind of talking about her. He's like, well, she swore at me first and then she swore them to secrecy. So it was really cool to see this character of this nun who's definitely in control of that orphanage. Even she kind yeah. of puts the, the, the older priest in his place. And during that boxing scene or even before the boxing scene, like she's the one who tells the priest to go do it, to go get the boxer to fight him and then later all the scenes we see between her and matt are just so good and i thought it was she did really good job and i didn't even realize who the actress was I, it took me a few minutes to realize that that was is it joanne janet whaley uh, it's joanne uh, wally and when wally, she married, is that how you yeah. say it yeah, yeah and she used to we... be married. Yeah, she used to be married to Val Kilmer. Did a bunch of movies in the eighties, mm-hmm. uh, and and I remember her from the. I remember the the, the actress now from the eighties. So we were first introduced to her in Willow, and that's actually how she met Val Kilmer, and that's when they got oh. married. They actually have a son. Nice together. Nice. So it was nice to see her back in showbiz yeah. on the American side. I think of things because I think honestly she's been working in maybe in England or something. Okay. I haven't really looked into her IMDb or anything lately, but maybe she just took a break. Who knows? Yeah, I didn't look at anything she did. She's done recently. I just went back and and started seeing all the stuff she did. Like she had a lot of supporting 
actress kind of roles in in the 80s at late 80s and early 90s in movies that I recognize. So as I was scrolling back through her IMDb page from the 80s and the 90s, I saw a lot of movies. I was like, oh yeah, I like that movie. I like that movie. I like this. And and so really, really cool. Yeah, definitely cool. That would lead me to my number four, which would be Matt talking to Karen, you know, about being Daredevil. This was obviously a flashback or his memories or imagination going with him and his thoughts while he's recovering. And him showing her himself as the daredevil him telling her that you know he's leaving it behind so this was at a time when he was this is a different scenario and it was uh, filmed a little bit differently so this was a new filming of this particular scene it wasn't taken directly from the actual season i think it was season two yeah i couldn't remember exactly this was actually my number three as well was was karen page i couldn't remember exactly where the i remember that he revealed himself to both foggy and to karen in season two but i didn't remember all of the how the scene fully went so it was really cool to see this kind of perspective on it and then to see that uh, like i said my number three is the same thing so i'll just kind of expand upon what you've been yeah. saying is that, that that fact that she's been maintaining his apartment and that she kind of you know she says she used a, it was a ruse he's like you lied to me and she's like no it was more of a ruse to get foggy to the apartment to to tell him that she really wants to maintain this apartment because she believes matt is still is still out there and foggy i just I, that was a very touching scene between the two of them that how she gets him to eventually say okay i'll, I'll pay the bills i'll <laughs> one more month but then after that we got to box everything up and, and put it away and she was like okay you know we'll split it or so it was really cool to see that interaction between them and just the, the fact that uh, the, the he mentions bringing the Daredevil costume to Matt at the police precinct. And I had totally forgot about that in The Defenders, that, that that's what he had done, because he, he says something in this episode, like, I should have brought him a sweatshirt or, or something like that. Yeah. And I, I, so I thought that was really cool to see that touching kind of moment between the two of them where they're sitting on the couch and he says, and, and this, this actually comes into play later or even in the second episode as well, mm -hmm. because he's sitting there on the couch and he says to her, Matt is dead. And he says, that's the first time I've said that out loud or that I've admitted that or something like that. And then that's going to come into play actually in episode two, which was kind of interesting. That is true. So what was your number three? Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> you already spoke about your number three. Mm -hmm. That would be seeing Fisk with power within the actual prison itself. You know, he, he has power <laughs> in there and is still a prisoner. But he still tries to get his love back while in prison and take care of her. It's weird. Yeah, and that scene was a little confusing to me both times because we we have this scene where uh, he's making this omelet and it looks like he's chopping up these greens. He's chopping and it's this and, and this is this real pretty omelet that he dumps on that he puts on the plate and you can see that it's all flat and it's it's nice and it's a perfect omelet. And then then when the editing cuts, he's setting in the prison cell and it's just a rolled up you know thing of powdered eggs that he made on a little hot plate and he happens to be playing the uh classical music there in his cell and he yells for everybody to be quiet and they all <laughs> they all get quiet but it still is that fact that he's imagining this perfect omelet when really all he's got is this rolled up thing of of eggs in front of him and and then of course the two lawyers uh guys or whoever they are come in to tell him that his appeal is proceeding and, and all that I, I it was really it, it confused me at first and then when i realized that okay he's imagining this omelet being 
delicious. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the fact that it shows how crazy he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he yeah. is a one crazy loon. Exactly. So that leads us to my number two. Yeah. I really thought it was cool. I did not catch it in my first viewing. So it wasn't until the second viewing that I really picked up on it is that there's that scene when Matt is starting to get his senses back and he can hear the chanting in the chapel above. And he says that, oh, we're underneath the chapel. And the priest says something like, yes, you're underneath the chapel. And Matt goes, but I'm, it's, I'm hearing Arabic. And the priest says, well, the mosque down the street had a pipe burst. So we're sharing time with them. And I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. That in this universe, at least we have Hell's Kitchen or with maybe it's true within Hell's Kitchen. I don't know that these two churches can, can coexist and, and ha- find the peace to open up their doors to, to a, of another religion and let them use their facility. I thought that was really, really cool to, to hear that in a, in a TV show. Yeah, definitely. For the fact that, you know, you need some sort of sense of uh, community. Yeah. And I think that's what they were just trying to show. And it's nice to see two different religions, especially how Muslims have been portrayed over the years. Exactly. So now it's nice to have that where it's like, okay, we could work and, you know, coexist. So I like that idea, too. So what's your number two? My number two would be, well, Matt struggled to gain his senses back. You already talked about that. But Sister Maggie is there to provide a a bit of wisdom and talk about his dad. I thought that was really touching. Then we see his senses slowly come back after the hot toddy and pills that (laughs) she gives him. He's feeling better about himself and his abilities when they do come back a little bit. And then we get that whole little talk (laughs) You know, from Sister Maggie of why do we fall, like that old Batman quote, uh, to pick ourselves up. But she doesn't really say that, but she kind of, you know, yeah, kind of stubborn old lady that's trying to push him. <laughs> uh, but the, the theme really works, and it works in, a, in this case in this scene. Matt is working hard at being what he, you know, what he was with, you know, Sister Maggie's little speech mm-hmm. that she gives him. So at least he's trying at this point, whereas before he was trying to, you know, just giving up. He wasn't even trying. Yeah. And that, that actually leads right into my number one, because that is what my number one is really is just this, this idea, this understanding of seeing this superhero who's not at a hundred percent. And we, we see him when he's trying to get his balance back. We see him trip over the, the stuff in the crypt there. We see that fight that he has with the boxer. And then later in the movie, when the sister sees him and she's like, you, you got, uh, how'd she say it? You got beat by a man who wasn't even trying to hurt you. Why did you go out then and pick a fight with somebody else? <laughs> you know, and that whole thing of, of when he's in the street there and the guys are beating on him and the, the mm-hmm. cops start to come and he grabs that pipe and, and it's almost like he's wanting a, a penance maybe sort of thing for what he's doing. Cause he says, God, forgive me. And then they're like, no, no, we're, we're going to get out of here. And then he disappears before the cops even get there. So I thought that was, that was really cool to see this idea. And it kind of goes into the second episode a little bit. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how far we're going to take this before he kind of gets back to a hundred percent. It's going to be interesting to see. Very true. Yeah. That I think we needed that slow build up mm-hmm. to where he gets to. And I'm sure we get to see something of him in some respect, but I think it's going to be a slow climb. My number one would be, well, we already talked about it a bit, but of course, you know, seeing Joanne Wally back in yeah. film and TV, you know, I loved her since the movie Willow. So, and I just, you know, I always thought she was beautiful. Seeing her as the nun that helps Matt in the beginning was a nice 
you know, way of bringing her in. I think she is very important to Matt in some way. So, mind you listeners, I only, you know, like I said, I watched this when it first, you know, the first six episodes when it dropped in 2018. Now we're at 2020. I, I don't have that. Yeah, and the, the only thing, the only thing that I didn't get about that whole that whole epi- that whole scene and stuff and, and just like when later uh, you know earlier in the episode when when she when he says oh those boys are scared of you and she says so are you at yeah. your age and but she doesn't look like I I mean I know the actress is probably old enough to where she would have been like in her maybe in her twenties or thirties maybe when Matt was a, a you know, 12 year old or, or whatever, but she just doesn't, she doesn't look quite old enough to have established that much. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I I can't see how she would have had that kind of power 20 years ago as she now has 20 or 25 years ago as she still has now, but, but okay, I'll, I'll I'll go with it. She doesn't look like she's 60. Like I, like if, if she looked older, like if she looked like she was, and, and I'm, not, I'm not sure how old she is. Uh, she might be in her 60s and just looks good for being in her 60s. <laughs> then I could, yeah. then I could kind of understand it. Then it would make sense. Okay. She's been, she's been there for like 40 years. She's obviously established. So th- that was the only thing that kind of threw me off a little bit was her talking about the fact that she knew Matt when, when he was their age kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I had a couple of quotes here that I liked as we're, we're getting back to our, for those that used to listen to us when we covered these Netflix shows, we're getting back to our kind of our format of our top five. And then we do some quotes and then we throw some, some additional notes in there. And uh, I had a quote that I, I really like. It's, it's almost the very first line of the episode. It's not, well, it's not the first line, but it's, it's early on when Matt is in the bed and he, he says, father, I didn't know you were there. And just that idea that we're, we're suddenly introduced and we've already talked about it. But just we're introduced to the fact that Matt is not 100%. He he's, he didn't know that the priest was there. And I thought that that quote was very telling. Hmm. Interesting. Um, okay. Just to give you a little bit of information about Joanne Wally, she's 58 years old. Okay. So I think it's 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 possible. It's possible when she was in her thirties. She was in her thirties when because Matt and me, I'm assuming Matt Murdock is like probably you know thirty five or so ish. I don't know with how old the character's supposed to be. He doesn't look like he's supposed to be in his forties yet. No, I would say he's in his early thirties. Right. So if he was in his early thirties, thirty two, thirty three, then then that would twenty when he was twelve, that would be twenty years ago. If she's fifty, so she would have been in her late thirties. So yeah, there there probably could have been enough of a commanding presence in her in her late thirties that that uh, would have would have had that same kind of presence with the orphan boys. Okay. Well, I'll go with it. Plus, you know, if she joined the mission uh, at a certain time, like when she was in her teens, who knows? Yeah, yeah. That, that could build up and can make her all frumpy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was your first quote. Yeah. Said, right? Uh, you said you had one here also? Yeah. Well, sister uh, Maggie says, angry, sarcastic, and stubborn. Maybe you don't have any friends. And Matt's like, well, someone had told me that warriors were meant to be alone, that caring for people would make me weak. And she just turns around and says, sounds like he needed to get laid. (laughs) Matt is like, ha, that actually seems right. I mean, he was right, of course. I let people in and they pay a price. I won't make that mistake again. Yeah. That coming from a, a nun, too. Yeah, exactly. That's what makes it even funnier. 
And I had a couple more here. I, I thought it was interesting when he's having that conversation with Karen Page that she says, uh, I'm not going to judge you or I didn't, I didn't judge Frank. And he says, maybe you should have judged Frank because he's a killer. And then they have that whole interaction about killing and stuff. And, uh, then I, I loved the one that I thought, and it just, it, it's, it jumped out at me the second time I watched it, especially is when the FBI boss lady is giving Agent Nadim that file to go up and talk to Wilson Fisk. And he's like, Oh, this is a, this is just a, a, a stupid assignment. He never talks to anybody and we can't go. And she's like, it's a nice drive though. And she gives him the <laughs> file. And I just love because that, that line right there sets up really what we're going to see throughout the next, at least the next couple of episodes, because that line, if, if he hadn't gone up there to question Wilson Fisk, he wouldn't have, uh, he wouldn't have gotten involved in the case and he wouldn't have, uh, you know, gotten the attention that he's getting now. So yeah, he pushed himself in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, had a, I had a couple more things that, uh, that I wanted to just bring up just short little, little notes that, uh, that we didn't already talk about. I thought it was interesting that Matt had a Braille Bible from when mm-hmm. he was a kid and I saw how many volumes that is. And it, it didn't, it didn't occur to me until I saw that, that I guess, yeah, a Braille Bible would have to be super thick and it would have to be several volumes because they're going to take up a lot. It's going to take up a lot more pages than what printed words would take up. Correct. So I thought that was yeah. kind of interesting to, to see that. Of course, then he talks about Job and he compares himself to Job, but I'm not, uh, I don't completely agree with his, uh, his assessment of, of the, the man Job. So yeah. And the only other thing I had before we get into the next episode is uh, I cringed both times when he filled water up into that, whatever that thing was, that teapot or that neti pot or whatever, and he poured it into his nose and then... Yeah, it was a neti pot. (laughs) Yeah, and then blood just comes out everywhere. Gushing out. Yeah. Even he was just surprised too, and he can't see it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so and so you you, you see what that buildup of pressure was, and of course, that's that's what leads him to being able to start getting his senses back. So, so that, but I cringed both times when he did it. I was just like, Oh yeah. So the title of episode three is please episode two, not episode three. Episode two was just please just one word. I had to go back and look at it. Cause I was like, is it just one word? It's please. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, did you look up the synopsis of this episode? I did not. Episode two grieving for the life. He's abandoned. Matt suffers a crisis of faith. Fisk makes a deal with the FBI that turns him into a target. Very cool. Yeah. It's cool having actually IMDb on a hand. There you go. (laughs) Well, you want to start with your number five? I'm Daredevil. Sure. My number five would be the attempt on Fisk and the fact that they have to protect him now. All because they need Fisk for all this information and everything. So I I think somebody brought it saying that that he's being put into witness protection at a certain point. And then, you know, obviously with Nadim, how he pushed to get this job. To watch him after he convinces his boss to give him that job. And I think you have some information on that too. Yeah, that's that's kind of my number five, and, and this the, these two things kind of blend my number five, my number four. But we'll we'll get to my number four here in a minute. But yeah, my number five is just more about the the Ray character, and I love how when he finds out that they're talking about who's going to be the person to run Fisk, and he goes in and he's able to turn that on his boss and get it and convince his boss to let him be the lead agent on there, even though she knows it's going to have both their careers on the line. But then I also love when he 
was with the attorneys or, or whoever those guys were. I still confused about whether those guys were the, the attorney general or who those guys were because making this deal with Fisk because he tells them, you know, he says, look, you've, you've spent seven years trying to get these Albanians and millions of dollars and we've lost all these lives and we rolled up the whole organization in one afternoon based on Fisk's evidence. And so you have this understanding that it's kind of a, a big deal that, and then I have the quote down uh, later. In fact, I'll just go ahead and read it now. Cause I, I thought it was so telling when he says, New York is safer tonight because of Wilson Fisk. Oh boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what was your number four? Yeah. That leads us to your number four. My number four would be, well, sister Maggie's talk with Matt about her faith in the order. She mentions that, you know, she had left the mission at some point for a while to try something different. What does that have to do with Matt and why, you know, is she so concerned with him? Well, I think it's just that – go ahead. Go ahead and finish your thought. No, it just makes me think there's some sort of attachment to him in some way. Why was she always there? Why is she always there at this point? I don't think she was assigned to him by the mission. No, no, the, no. The church. I, I get the impression that she's always had. That's why I was so confused about kind of about her age, because it always seems like she's she's held a high position in this orphanage for the entire time. So if she's been like 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 she doesn't. I don't think she's. I don't, I don't know Catholic roles and and stuff. Like if she's the mother superior of yeah, the orphanage, right. that's why I was saying like I can understand if she's the, or the, the mother superior now, but was she the mother superior twenty years ago when Matt would have been a kid? And has she just been there the entire – that's the impression I got. And I, I think what she was trying to do was uh, relate with him on the issue of losing your faith and then getting it back. Because that's what all of like episode two is all about, Matt trying to get back his – them trying to reestablish his faith. Because remember, she puts the – she puts the and I'm still confused about it, so maybe something will come out later. She puts the cross around his neck. Remember, in the first episode, she tried to mm-hmm. put the cross around his neck and he took it off. And then she hung oh, yeah. it on, and she hung it on the lamp. In the second episode, after he successfully defeats those guys in the dry cleaners and he comes back, she puts the cross around his neck and he doesn't stop her. And she mm-hmm. says, your head's not swimming anymore or, or something like that. And then yeah. she, and she convinces him to wear, to continue wearing the cross. So I think it really was just her trying to relate to him on how she came back to faith, trying to get him back to faith. Yeah. I'm getting, yeah. Feeling more and faith in God and faith in who he is too. Yeah. So, yeah. I got you. Okay. All right. So my number four is, is just to kind of expand a little bit on what you'd already talked about. Kingpin is just Vincent D'Onofrio's, his portrayal here of Wilson Fisk and, and Kingpin. Oh, yeah. And he's, it's really a different take on the character than even in the first couple of seasons. Cause he was very arrogant and uh, grandiose in those earlier <laughs> seasons. And we see now that he's kind of been humbled by love is basically what he says. He says that he felt he's in love with this woman and he wants to do whatever he can to protect her. And it's going to be interesting to see if that continues or if this is some kind of a ruse just to get him out of uh, of jail or what. But uh, yeah. I, I thought, I, I really thought he did, he's doing a wonderful job of, of playing this character. And I don't know if he wears like a padded suit or if he gained nope. weight or. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know, he gained weight. Just, so yeah, it's a Robert De Niro kind of thing where he, he gained the weight. Um, I think he's always been up and down in weight. Cause yeah. if you remember him in Men in Black when he played the 
creepy cockroach guy. Yeah. And then uh, he actually was pretty heavy in Law and Order criminal intent. Yeah. So I guess, but not like Wilson Fisk kind of heavy, you know. He might have used some padding because his legs are kind of thinner than his upper body. Yeah. But that, that's always been a, a kind of a standpoint of Kingpin. But, you know, in the comics, they make him look like a big round person. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. He's, he, he doesn't look anything. He doesn't look any, anywhere near as big as the Kingpin in the comics portrayed. Because the comics is a comic portrayal of him. So, Oh, is yeah. it Michael Clark Duncan played him in uh, the movie? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and he was more Clark muscular. Duncan, he was more muscular and yeah. thick than... You know, in this case, they they try to keep it true to the original look. Mm-hmm. I, I understand what they did with the movie one, which I I like Michael Clark Duncan as the kingpin, but they uh, with some of these roles they're trying to, and Netflix, of course, of all things, are trying to keep everything true to what the character was from the comic. Yeah, but make That's- it more of like a realistic view. Yeah. So. So that leads us to your number three. Yeah. And that would be Matt's little investigation after leaving the church and talking to the priest. Uh, the guy in the van is pretty much startled that a blind man is asking questions, especially uh, pertaining to smell. And he, he, you know, he begins his uh, detective journey, I guess, again, and getting clues. I don't know if that's still the lawyer within him. But uh, this leads him to the dry cleaners later on and him in the black costume he donned in season one when he actually started as Daredevil. Because at the end of season one, he didn't get the costume until the very end. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think this is kind of like a reawakening of Daredevil at this point and Matt to get to that point again. But he would need a new costume at this point because I'm pretty sure the old one was wrecked. Yeah, I, I hope we don't have to wait the entire season. I hope that's not what this goes. I hope he gets his his costume back or gets a costume back earlier. I hope this isn't it, this isn't basically a retelling of the. But I mean, it, that would be okay too, I guess, if that's what they need to do. Yeah. Well, the, if you looked at the promos for this, it was him looking like he was being crucified. Okay. On, uh, I don't know if you saw that poster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw the one that you that that you yeah, yeah. that we put on as the wallpaper because mm-hmm. that was the uh, image yeah. that they constantly used. But it was a matter of like him, like you know, it, I'm not trying to compare it to the Bible or anything, but it, it's kind of like you were saying before. He's ma- he was doing his penance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe yeah. this is what this season is, or the very beginning of it is, maybe. Yeah, interesting. My number three is is just that whole scene with Foggy and his family that I, I really liked. I, I I thought it was really cool the way we get to see his dad, and, and I don't know the the dad's name, but he's a character actor that I've seen in a lot of things. Oh uh, he yeah, does a lot of background work and a lot of a uh, bit part kind of thing. But I really like that. I like the the interaction he has with his brother there in the in the butcher shop where his brother's like, well, they wanted it to be you, and Foggy's like, well, this was never in my life, and the brother's like, well, yeah, it wasn't, and you couldn't make a sandwich and they kind of have this back and forth <laughs> kind of thing where then before Karen walks in to the butcher shop, he kind of almost lets it slip that, that he kind of is, is um, what's the word I'm thinking of. He's kind of burnt out. I think with, because the loss of Matt and not having that Matt was really the heart of 
their operation. Their yeah. That yeah. Foggy was all about the money and, and Matt was about helping people. And so to see that and then to have Karen walk up and, and then, and this is where I got confused about the two conversations from these two episodes because they're very similar conversations, but they have a different tone. In yeah. this conversation, she uh, basically pushes him because she says, look, you're, you're, you haven't said that he's dead. You're saying that he's gone. And so I don't know. I, I wonder if this is one of those things where they, they maybe they filmed these a little bit out of order. I know they kind of do that sometimes with shows to where they'll film different scenes out of order. And so I wonder if they filmed the, even though it was episode one, I wonder if they filmed that scene before they filmed this scene. Hmm. Because in this scene, you know, he kind of comes back to the, well, maybe he is still out there. But then he says, if he was out here, out there, he would have contacted us. And yet in the first episode, we have him saying he's dead. So it's that that confused me a little bit. And so I I just wonder if uh, if maybe in the editing or like I said, I, I know they do that with shows to where. They'll film them out of order. And even the actors will sometimes get confused about, well, you know, where's my character at at this point? What's, what do I know? What do I not know? And <laughs> so, it, but uh, it's going to be interesting. I hope there is a point. I hope, again, we don't have to wait the whole season to get these three back together for them to find out that Matt is alive and get the three of them back. I hope it doesn't make us wait till, because I, I, I will be a little disappointed if, we get to the end of this season and it's, it was setting up for a a season four. I think from what I've heard from my friends who watched it all and they remembered and they're like, yeah, the way it was, it was pretty much open-ended for a season four. And I believe that's what Charlie had stated to my friend America who met him in the store (laughs) one day. I'll try not to be, I'll try not to be disappointed. Same here. You know, it's like, but there's always a possibility that they could just, if they do acquire Charlie Cox and Eldon as mm-hmm. Foggy. And I don't know if uh, Deborah Ann Wall will come back. They would probably do a different Kingpin at, at any time. Yeah. I'm, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I, I it's Everything's speculation yeah. right now. Anything yeah, because I know there. that Charlie Cox isn't working on anything because the last one of the other sales guys I work with talked to him in the store and he goes, he asked him if he was not working on anything recently. He says, not really, not much. And uh, when I last spoke to Eldon at a con, He's just been keeping himself busy with music, and from what I see, Deborah Ann Wall is literally just doing YouTube stuff. And oh, I always recommend that stuff if you want. If you guys want, I'll put that in a Facebook post of what she's been up to lately because uh, her husband is slowly going blind, which is uh, from a, a disease or some sort of uh, degenerative disease, I think it is, where he's losing some of his senses. So she's been dealing with that over the years, but she does some like uh, D and D stuff. And if you guys are interested, I'll post that on the Facebook thread. Okay, so that leads us to your that number leads two. Me to my number two, and I know I digressed. <laughs> uh, and I have to agree with you with uh, seeing Foggy with his family. I thought that was a nice touch. It gives us Foggy back, and we get to see that he is still practicing and doing it, trying to do it on his own with another firm. Because if you remember, they kind of split him and Matt. Yeah. And that's what uh, the Defenders were, and that's why, and I believe Foggy was working with, uh, I forget the name of the company. Yeah, wasn't he with Horowitz and and with um, What's-Your-Face from Jessica Jones? Trinity. 
Yes. I can't remember the actress's name. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kate, uh, there Carrie and yeah. Moss. Yeah. She was, I, yeah, I believe he was, he had some sort of affiliation with their firm for a little while and that may be where he's still at. I did, I did like his, his quick mention of Marcy is that when, when Karen walked in that he's like, Oh great. Now we can stop worrying about my, my family or stop talking about my family. Now they can start talking about me cheating on Marcy. So that was kind of cool to, to oh, remind yeah. us that he's <laughs> got that a girlfriend, one. that, that super hot blonde <laughs> uh, girlfriend from the, the law firm. I don't remember who the actress was, but another, uh, yeah, really good. Um, so that brings us to my, to my number two, <laughs> Yes, which is just, we've already talked a little bit about it, but I thought it was really cool when Matt went to that dry cleaners that when he gets the guy to give him the coupon, the flyer he kind of feels the guy's hands and he's feeling the the marks or the the scars you know because you can see the guy's been in a fight yeah and so he realized this is one of the guys that he tussled with and the guy doesn't recognize him and then of course there when he turns the power out uh, as he's starting to get his his powers back but then he uses the taser and he does still there's kind of a moment there where he's weakened, where the guy hits him in the ear, and he kind of loses his senses for a moment. Yep. And it's it's uh, so again, I go back to that. It's really interesting that we're kind of seeing. I, I hope you know it's one of those things. Like I keep saying, I hope they don't drag it out very long. But I do like every once in a while to see the these superheroes kind of being human. Oh yeah, well that so. that was a whole part of with a lot of the the Marvel stuff that's out there now. And mm-hmm. the fact that look at Captain America, all he has is extreme agility and super strength at certain points, but yet he still hurts. He still bleeds. He mm-hmm. has feelings. And uh, look at Matt. He's blind, but yet, you know, his abilities are just enhanced all his senses. He just yeah. built that over time. He doesn't have an, any incredible strength. He doesn't have some, and in comparison to the comic, he doesn't have all the, the cool little toys like we saw right. in the actual movie with Ben Affleck. He only had he only I think he only had like the nunchuck style cane piece and that was it. It didn't do anything more than that. Yeah. So, hmm. you know, he's he's just but another yeah, person. I, I- yeah, it, it's still one of those things that we haven't seen from him. We've seen him be able to basically dominate, I mean, except for Kingpin, except for his fight with Kingpin. Yeah. He's basically been able to dominate any any fight he goes into, and it's it's kind of nice to kind of see the, the human side of it. Yeah, he, had, he has to struggle just like anybody else. In this case, yeah. he still has to work on getting his abilities back to yeah. perfect and perfection and, you know, at a full 10 instead of at like a five. <laughs> Yeah. So I think we both have a very similar number ones. Why don't you go with yours? Well, I think you'll agree. That ending, that was yeah. that was crazy. And I knew after the knife throw to that one guy that it was bullseye. I, I can see Fisk recruiting him and having him do his bidding. And uh, honestly, listeners, this was all teased before season three came out that we were going to get. Was it? Okay. Okay. I was wondering, because the the character, it was a little confusing to me, because at first I thought maybe the Punisher was back because of all these these headshots and all these shots that he's making. And like you said, he throws the knife and stuff. Uh, And uh, I didn't, it didn't even occur to me that it it would be the character of Bullseye coming into the fact. But, you know, the closed captioning calls him Dex and then he calls Wilson Fisk convict Mm -hmm. like he was one of the prison guards involved in it. So I don't know what Bullseye's background is, but I'm assuming they may be changing it up a little bit. So maybe, maybe he does get recruited by Wilson Fisk here. I don't know though. I think, I think, I don't know if it's exactly going to be the Bullseye from the comic books or the other movies where he's going to be like a hitman. I don't know. 
eh, it could be a mix. Who knows? Yeah. You know, we'll like see. I said, like I said we- it was just hinted or uh, teased that we were getting bullseye and Right. Uh, and you don't remember from when you watched it before. No, I don't I don't remember that part, but as soon as I saw that I was like and I remembered Bullseye. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we never saw Frank throw a, a dagger like that at somebody's throat and two guys at the same time, you know? No, no, you're right. I mean, like I said, it wasn't – it was the shooting was what was – Oh, yeah, the shooting, definitely. The punisher, so. And we so, did yeah. see that guy from behind Fisk when they were escorting him out to the car from the prison, too. Right. Like I said, the, the closed captioning calls him calls him Dex, and the, the IMDb page calls him Poindexter or something like that. Yep. And then, and then, like I said, he's wearing a prison guard outfit, and he calls Wilson Fisk convict. So, obviously, he's one of the prison guards that was escorting with the FBI there. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. And at the end, they did at the end say that he's still in custody or he's in house arrest or whatever. Yeah. So we had a couple of quotes. I've already given one of mine. The only one I have would be when Matt says, I'm Daredevil and only God can stop that right now. And that was to the <laughs> priest in the in the church right before he leaves to go to the dry cleaners. I, I do remember that. How many times has he said his own name? Not it's not. It can't be very very often. Nope. So uh, the only other quote I had that I haven't already shared was that at the beginning when the priest is talking to him about the fights he's getting into, and he says, and he's, he the priest says, "How many fights did you get into?" And he says, "How many how many boys complained or how many boys whatever said something?" And the priest says, "Well, no one wants to admit they got their butt kicked by a blind kid." So <laughs> I, I thought that was great that that understanding that yeah, nobody wants to. So we had a couple of extra little notes here. Do you want to go with yours? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, in the very beginning, when we've seen the Deem uh, stop the, like, what was it, a mobster or somebody? But the mobster's name's Mother Teresa, and he's got a big tattoo of Mother Teresa on his back. <laughs> I was looking at it going, what? <laughs> I don't know if that was thrown in for laughs or it was meant to be comical, but I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it now because I remember I vaguely remember seeing the tattoo, but not knowing what it was of. And, and so I didn't hear the, the name. My my only other note and is uh, just I, I kind of looked at all the episode lengths for these episodes in season three. And they're all pretty long, man. I'm I'm really impressed by Netflix. The the shortest episode, and it's only one, is 46 minutes. All the rest of them average between 48 and 55 minutes per episode, which is really, really cool that Netflix did not stick to the standard, you know, 42, 43 minute episodes that would be like an hour long TV show with, with commercials. It's really yeah. cool that they're, they're and, and I've heard other podcasts comment about this that I don't understand why streaming services, I mean, I guess the streaming services that, that uh, charge that have commercials, maybe some of them I could see, you know, being constrained by, by time. But, you know, these ones that don't have commercials, they shouldn't be constrained by. Yeah. They should do a solid hour, hour in my opinion, or do, do as long as they need to tell the story. If they need to tell the story in in 55 minutes, tell it in 55 minutes. If you need 48, 48, you know? Yeah. So I I was really impressed by that though. As I, as I looked through all the episode lengths for these episodes that are coming up. Uh, My final one would be foggy's father talking to him was really nice. The fact that his father asks why he drinks expensive crap is beyond <laughs> him. <laughs> but apparently his father, they, they, you could see that Foggy came from a really good family. Yeah. And they loved him. And like you said before, they were trying to get him to be in the family business. But, you know, and the mother was just like, oh, he, he's getting too old for this. Yeah. <laughs> but, 
that, that was pretty much it in a nutshell for these two episodes. I really liked it. I really enjoyed getting back into it because it's been so long since I watched any of these. So I think it's a good way to just go back every once in a while and watch those old movies. I yeah. think I used to do that with like Xena and Hercules back in the day. It had been like two or three years since I actually watched an episode. Then you realize, I really like this show. Or, yeah. I like this episode. Not every episode in Cena and Hercules was great, by the way. So, but at least, you know, the ones that you did enjoy and appreciated, you loved. Very so, cool. that, that's what I like. Yeah. Yeah. So, for comic talk, I want to bring up a few things. Since we had the Super Bowl last weekend, uh, I didn't think much of the game. In fact, the only thing I was looking forward to is the halftime show. And uh, pretty much all the trailers. So we got uh, more of a bigger trailer for Black Widow. And I thought that was pretty cool because we saw more of David Harbour. Yeah. And it makes me think that he was the one in that prison because you see him in some sort of prison garb. And I think uh, Widow and the rest of them break him out. <laughs> you see more yeah. Taskmaster and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. I, I'm I'm uh, I'm more excited for it than I than I was, and so the, those uh, I'm with you though. I really I think the one the one that the two things that impressed me the most were really the Wandavision little quick teaser we got. I I really really liked because it looks like and and maybe I I'm wrong, but I'm I'm hoping it. It looks like there's gonna be like alternate different versions of this of of this WandaVision coming out because there was like a one that was in black and white, there was one that was color, there was yeah. one showing her in like the Scarlet Witch costume from the comic books. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be interesting to see if maybe they're going to start us start introducing us back to the multiverse kind of thing in Marvel with these multiple Wandas and multiple visions or or what's going on with it. I I'm I again I'm intrigued and I know we're not going to get it till later this year. Yeah. But it's uh, only it, speculation at this point of what the I yeah. think the show is going to be centered around her and her losing her mind in some way. And I think that's what that's why they push this up, because Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness actually comes out after that the show ends. Oh, OK. So and she's supposed to be in that. And mm. I think she does something to the multiverse. But there was one scene in the actual commercial where I saw her. She looked like she was a little bit preggers, and yeah, like I said, I, I'm wondering if it's going to be alternate versions or what we're going to see. I think it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, as long as she doesn't say no mutants anymore, <laughs> like in the comic book, and just gets rid of the mutants. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, I think it's all speculation at this yeah, point. Yeah, it what is. They're going to do, and then uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier one looked pretty cool when you see. Sam throw the shield, but it gets wedged into the tree. Yeah. You, you see uh, Winter Soldier with a short hairdo. Those commercials are pretty cool, as well as we finally got a little bit more from Wonder Woman 1984. And I'm looking yeah. forward to that for a DC property. I really like that idea. Yeah, it looks like maybe they're going to have a little fun with the 1980s. Uh, maybe if that Tide commercial is is any kind of uh, play-in or, or to the... Uh, to the show, to the movie, so it'll be interesting to see. I'm assuming Charlie Day is not going to actually is not in the movie, but maybe <laughs> he is. I don't know, uh, but yeah, I, I I really liked. I thought those I thought those were pretty cute. Now, Birds of Prey just released. Actually, we we're doing this on a Friday, so it launched last night, and it actually got good feedback from critics and a couple of people I know went to go see it, and they actually enjoyed it. When I saw the commercials, all I could see was like, "Wow, it's just all about Margot Robbie." And the birds are, pre- I didn't even realize now it makes me want to go see it. Cause I just 
think she's beautiful and I love her yeah. to death. Mary Elizabeth Winstead's in it as Huntress. And uh, we do get uh, Black Canary in this. And I'm yeah, I want to sure see it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go see it next week at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, but I, I it, it intrigued me. And somebody said, are you going to go? I was like, I'm not sure. Don't wait. Don't wait. Uh, eventually, I probably will go see it. it. It's got me curious about it because they said that it might do well. And uh, a bunch of the critics that are on YouTube that I, I watched gave it decent reviews. And I'm surprised considering that, you know, this is coming off of like Suicide Squad. That's where this particular Harley Quinn came from. And not many people were happy with that particular movie. <laughs> Uh, the only bit of news news that we got, and this dropped in the other day, maybe yesterday. Apparently, Sam Raimi is now the director of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So I really love this idea because, you know, Raimi gave us Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man film. And, you know, mind you, the second one was the best uh, cinematic Marvel movie that we've gotten in years and still is considered by far something that is like held in high esteem by a lot of people. And, you know, we don't talk about Spider-Man three, but, uh, we having him in there and a lot of friends of ours, we were in discussion online. I, I think it was actually Kirk Manley of all people who actually does our artwork. He, he didn't, he didn't like the idea. And he felt that they were going to do the campiness. And I don't see that happening with Sam Raimi on board. And also, Sam Raimi brought us his own comic book character itself. And we should actually review that movie at certain points. Not the, the sequels, but the the very first one that Sam did, which would be Dark Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. We could yeah, do that. I, you know, the only problem I have with this is this movie's supposed to come out later this year, isn't it? Isn't it? The end of this year, this movie's supposed to come out? The end of this year. Yeah, or so by 2021. or like, Shouldn't they already have completed, like, I know this is February and there's 10 months for the end of the year, but, I, I mean, the only thing that concerns me is, shouldn't they already have completed, like, most of the production at this point? Well, they got like, pre-production underway. Feige's in charge of the script, so they already have the script, they already have everything... So they haven't done any. They haven't. They they haven't filmed anything yet. No, but you know, originally it was Scott Derrickson that was gonna do it, but he wanted to change it up a bit, and he wanted to change out the villain. Yeah, it's. And, I'm not even worried about the speculation or what. What's. I'm just. My my point here is. Yeah. Is that if they're bringing a new director on at this point, it's. It, there's no way they can have this done by the end of the year. Maybe that was the reasoning why they pushed up one division. Maybe. Yeah, that's, I mean, I could see, I mean, I like Sam Raimi's, I mean, obviously Evil Dead and, and those movies. Uh, so I, I like him as a director. I, he's got some, he's got some interesting things he does with, with, you know, what he focuses on. So oh, yeah. that may be, I could see if people are not fans of that style that they might, uh, might kind of shy away from it. Yeah, but uh, I, I'm intrigued to see what he's going to do with it. I think it's it's going to be cool. And like I said, I just I I had assumed they had ar- they were already into like post production at this point. I didn't realize they hadn't even they haven't even filmed. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, this is uh, that's cool though. That that's uh, that's exciting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we have a few podcast recommendations, and for those of you that listen to this podcast, DC Primetime just ended with their last podcast. I actually got to listen to it yesterday. Uh, it was uh, Robin Ben's last broadcast 
as it were, but I don't think they're shutting the doors completely. But so far as we know, but Ben and Rob can come back at any time later on if they choose. They could do an annual or something talk. But I always recommend that people listen to the DC Primetime, and that will always still be on the website and be still on our feeds for iTunes and Spotify and Google Play. So they have covered all of the Arrowverse for the past four years and have been covering all of the DC Universe on the CW all at the same time. So... You know, you could still hear those podcasts on the network, like I said. I really recommend that you do if you're just getting into it or if you just watch, like, you know, like what we did. We did the crossover of Crisis on Infinite Earths, and you really enjoyed those, Steve. You you got to like those, so. Yeah, and I just, ever since, I haven't been able to get into those shows. Sorry. <laughs> I, I tried a couple of them, and I just, there's way too much other stuff going on that I'm trying there is, to There is. There is so much so, that we could watch now. It's yeah. like, you have to find the time. Yeah. But uh, I didn't get a chance to write in or record something for their last broadcast, unfortunately, because of work and the ending of the holiday season with work with what I do for retail services. So it's kind of hard for me to find the time. Uh, I Lately, it's just been you know, Steve and I doing this podcast, and I'm still on hiatus until uh, Walking Dead comes back on <laughs> but uh I've been trying to rest. Uh, two two more weeks so yeah the 23rd i believe so i i just wanted everyone to know that ben and rob are more than welcome to come on panels to pixels and join steve and i whenever they want absolutely uh, yeah if we're doing something that they're interested in ben already knows this he even said like the last time he goes well if you're leaving it that way, I'll see you next week. <laughs> but Ben's got a, a few more that he's been working on. But if it's something that he really enjoys to talk about, and you guys have, who have listened to him before know he likes to talk. So, uh, you know, we'll just bring them on. You know, like I said, we'll be doing some DC stuff in the future, maybe with the CW and maybe review, you know, maybe the first episode of The Birds of Prey or... Maybe we'll do the Birds of Prey movie uh, after Steve and I watch it and get our bearings on it. <laughs> and, yeah, but, you know, just we'll check it out. Just check out uh, DC Primetime and continue listening to Ben on the Celebrity Spotlight, as well as Lost We Have to Go Back. And uh, he is working on another one, as far as I know. Yeah, he's constantly this. He, Ben's constantly working on new podcasts and stuff. Strange indeed, the podcast from Podcasting Network. They just wrapped up you season two, and they are going to be starting Lock and Key, which comes from Netflix uh, next week. So uh, I will be submitting my feedback uh, to them as well as I normally do. And as uh, Mark just mentioned, we there is the Lost Revisited that we have to go back Lost Revisited podcast, which is a joint venture between Podcasting Network and the Next Level Network. So uh, they're back. As as well so uh, it's very very exciting a lot of things happening with with podcasts now so I, i'm as mark does every week and as we both do i go out there and listen to podcasts man C keep it going if you want to do a podcast 
<laughs> you know, jump on there. There, it's a good way. It's a good way to get your voice out there and to express how you feel about yeah. uh, pop culture or shows or just whatever. And uh, we would love to hear from our listeners, though we we don't get a lot of feedback. So honestly, we would love to get any feedback you can you can send us. As Mark's already mentioned, we are on Spotify, we're on Google Play, we're on Apple iTunes. Hopefully, we're on whatever podcast player of choice you use. If you can give us a review, that would be really cool. Give us a good review, five stars. Write something nice uh, to us or <laughs> something bad if you've got a criticism. I don't care. <laughs> um, you can also check out our website, which is panels2pixelspodcast.com. Uh, you can interact with us on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash panels2pixels. Or you can email us at panels2pixels1 at gmail.com. That's panels2pixels1. The, two, the T-O is spelled out right there in the middle with the number one at gmail.com or you can go old school and uh, send us a, a voicemail record yourself on a telephone uh, if you call 845-350-2095 again that's 845-350-2095 also we are now available on youtube so search for panels to pixels podcast on YouTube. You'll find us there. Give us a thumbs up, subscribe. And if you like to listen to your podcast through the YouTube channels, then, Hey, that's the way to do it. Yeah, definitely. That's how I listen to Kevin Smith half the time. There you go. And, uh, a couple of, po uh, YouTube suggestions. Uh, like I said, I like actually listening to other people talk about, the whole storyline and structure of comics. So my recommendation is go watch Comics Explained on YouTube. Just search for Comics Explained. You'll see it come up. He does like a whole story arc. Like he actually talked about the clone, like not Clone Wars, but the the whole cloning uh, issue with Spider-Man. He goes into Secret Wars and a whole bunch of different versions of these comics and you know it might be two hours but he he's got a nice voice and i i love hearing him describe it but he does this over a course of days and it just builds up the whole actual episode youtube episode and it's got graphics you could actually see the actual pages in it and it goes per every like what he's describing within each panel or where they are within the page. So it's pretty cool to watch. So that would be my recommendation for YouTube this week. Where else can listeners hear you, Mark? Well, right now, they don't really have anywhere else to hear you, do they? Uh, not now. <laughs> not right now. But you can listen to me. I'm a co-host on The Walking Dead Talk Through with Brian Malosh on Talk Through Media. So we review The Walking Dead TV show each week. This show, the you know, Panels of the Pixels will be on the Next Level Podcast Network. But there will always be a link for Talk Through Media for you guys to listen to to on our Facebook page to get to uh, Talk Through Media. So that way you could listen to us there. Or you could just go to where we have our other podcasts for Talk Through Media, which would be Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, I believe Google Play, and I use Stitcher. So there's a whole bunch of different places for us to be heard on. Actually, I think Brian is developing the YouTube for that as well. Very so cool. uh, keep in touch here or go through talkthroughmedia.com's website and, you know, give us some feedback for that show if you're interested. 
uh, I would also recommend uh, listening to, as another podcast recommendation, the Picard cast for Talk Through Media. That just started about a week, two weeks ago, and they're doing their... Actually, as we're recording, they're recording say, they're, tonight. They're, reco- <laughs> they're recording their episode three tonight uh, as we're recording this. So, so yes, uh, definitely check out Picard Cast, which is on this network, Talk Through Media. As always... And as already already stated, you can hear me. I submit voicemails to various podcasts. I highly recommend TV Podcast Industries. They're doing a Picard podcast as well. And as Mark stated, in a couple of weeks, we will have The Walking Dead back. Season 10, the back half, the B-side of Season 10 is coming up here on February 23rd. And so uh, we will be hot and heavy on Walking Dead cast, Walking Dead talk through, and anywhere else that uh, somebody's willing to play our voicemails. <laughs> or possibly hear us on a future new endeavor for talk through media, which will be called entitled Let's Talk Through. And we'll talk about that next episode. Very cool. So until next time, Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And this was Panels to Pixels. Good night, everybody. Good night. You can email us at panels to pixels one at gmail.com. That's panels to pixels one. The two is spelled out T-O right there in the middle and the number one at gmail.com. Or if you want to go super old school. What happened? <laughs> oh, there's okay. a very like, loud engine <laughs> passing by outside. And so I turned my mic off and it's still. <sighs> oh, okay. Somebody's got a race car, I think. In our, in, in my apartment complex here. And so I usually, eh, and for some reason, they like to park right outside my, my building. Okay. Where was we, where was I at? I was on the email, I think. Yeah. You can go, you you can do the email thing and then go back into a real old school with a voicemail, I guess.